You're listening to the Trinity Ministries podcast. For more information and to support our ministry, go to www.trinityhudson.org. For those of you who are just joining us this week, we're in week two of a series called uh, Strength Along the Way. And if you missed last week, uh, we have um, wristbands that we're giving out for uh, the series, but then we're also giving these wristbands out at the parade and this, the, uh, you can go on our website, trinityhudson.org. All of our messages are listed there. And basically, this series is about three Old Testament uh, people, characters, who have some incredible things to say about strength and where strength comes from. And so if you remember last week, we talked about Gideon and how when our resources are depleted, the story of Gideon is basically God brought his army down to about 300 to, 300 to face an army of 135, and even with limited resources, they won the battle because ultimately Gideon trusted God. So strength comes from trusting in God, even though on the outside it looks like my res- I just don't have the resources to do what God is asking me to do. Um, so today we're going to take another look, or a look at another person named Abigail. But before we get into her story, I just want to ask you a question. Um, raise your hand if you're a parent, okay? Um, one of the biggest struggles that you and I have as parents is to instill in our kids the importance of doing the right thing. Raise your hand if you believe that's true. That's one of the diff- most, actually maybe one of the most, the, the top job that we have or one of the top jobs we have. And if you think about it, when, the, when your kids are younger, when your kids are like two years old or three years old, it's pretty easy to start teaching them to do the right things. You know, you, you tell them, put your shirt in the laundry, you know, and then they grab, you know, the two-year-old is like, ah, and they drop it in and you're like, oh, good for you, you know, and so we do that weird parent voice, you know, that, that like that, um, you know, and so if, something like that, or you just, you say, don't hit your sister, it's not nice to hit people. Wash behind your ears. I don't know. Do we do that anymore? You know, I, we never did. I mean, you could tell on my kids. So, um, but so teaching our kids to do the right thing is important. It's, it's difficult when, you, when it, the right thing is coupled, and kids, students, it's important for you too, and it's difficult for you to, to learn this, but it's difficult to do the right thing when potentially it's going to cost you something. So, for example, if you're at school and um, something happened at school and your parent, as a parent you say to them, you know, you really should talk to your teacher because you know someone on your team that you're working on this project, you know, that they cheated, and because they cheated, you guys all got an A. You should really go tell your teacher the truth. Or you have your first job now, son. You know, the right thing to do is to thank God and honor him by giving back 10%, saving 10%, and living on the rest, or teaching your kids about purity, teaching them to say no in a world that says you can do whatever you want with whom you ever, with whom you ever you want, you know, when the best way to experience God intimacy was in the context of marriage. And the reason this is difficult to teach kids and even adults the right thing to do is because whenever we do the right thing or even the wise thing, there's always a trade-off with doing the right thing. There's always a trade-off. There's a potential loss that happens as you gain something else. There's a potential pushback. There's a potential pain and consequence. Going back to the test and the, the project thing, 
If you tell your teacher that your team cheated, your, t- your teacher could give you an incomplete on that project or an F. Or when you step up and not let someone else take the blame for something that you actually did that was wrong at work. There could be consequences for that. Or if you go back to the store to pay for something that you forgot to pay for, it might mean that you have to pay for it when you go back to the store. I mean, even Jesus said in Matthew 5, he said, blessed or happy are those who are persecuted, put down or, or, or uh, challenged, losing something. Happy are those who are persecuted for doing the right thing. This is such a powerful, powerful teaching as parents to our kids, but just as a lifeless lesson, doing the right thing often means you're going to be losing something or potentially losing something. And it takes bravery to be a person that does the right thing. It takes bravery. In fact, watch, I'm going to play a clip um, of a mom describing bravery to her kids uh, on this clip from the 2003 version of Peter Pan. So watch this. Mother, anything harmless after the nightlights are lit? No, precious. They are the eyes a mother leaves behind to guard her children. Mother, must you go to the party? Yes, mother. You don't have to go. Father can go by himself. By himself? Your father is a brave man. But he's going to need the special kiss to face his colleagues tonight. Father, brave. There are many different kinds of bravery. There's the bravery of thinking of others before oneself. Now, your father has never brandished a sword nor nor fired a pistol, thank heavens. But he's made many sacrifices for his family and put away many dreams. Where did he put them? He put them in a drawer. And sometimes, late at night, we take them out and admired them. But it gets harder and harder to close the drawer. He does. And that is why he is brave. Now I'm sure that your kids call you mother, father, in the English accent. And I'm sure moms, you all look like that when you put your kids to bed too, don't you? But I love, I love that clip because really what the mom is describing is a different kind of bravery that we tend to think of, you know, the brave armor person with the sword and the, you know, Mel Gibson freedom, you know, that kind of thing. But bravery is doing the right thing in the face of fear. It's courage in action, even without knowing the outcome. It's making ourselves third in line behind Jesus and behind others. That's bravery. So in our series that we're going to take a look at now with Abigail, we're going to be in 1 Samuel 25. So if you have your Bibles, take it. you can take your Bibles out and take a look at 1 Samuel. It's in the Old Testament, um, chapter 25, or you can look on uh, your version or whatever app you may have. We're going to be taking a look at Abigail, and we're going to see two points about what bravery actually does and how we then can be brave when, God, when we feel God is calling us to do something 
that doesn't make sense. So let me give the setup for 1 Samuel 25, and then we'll get into the story. So there was a really wealthy man uh, who owned property near the town of, of Carmel, and he owned 3,000 sheep. So imagine 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats and a lot of land. So he was very, very wealthy, one of the most wealthy people in the whole area. His name was Nabal, and he was married to Abigail, who was this beautiful, sensible, very wise and godly woman. She definitely did not marry up when she married Nabal, as you'll see. He was a crude and mean man in all of his dealings, history says. So the time comes where it was time to shear all of those 3,000 sheep. And what people would do is that they would stay in the town of Carmel and then he would send out his servants to go out into the field area where he's keeping all his sheep and they would spend many, many days and weeks, sometimes months, shearing the sheep um, at, at a certain time. And what would happen is people who lived in that area would provide protection for those servants. So David at this point had moved into the area as he's as he's uh, coming across the area. So he had moved into the area. He sees all of these guys, these servants coming to, sh- to shear all of these sheep. He provides a boundary of protection around them so that sheep robbers wouldn't come in and steal the sheep and the wool that was being sheared. At the end of the sheep shearing time, as those servants were going back, typically what would happen is the person who owned the sheep would send remuneration, a financial payment, to the person who was protecting his servants. Just good business, right? Makes sense. So David sent his servants to Nabal to say, hey, I just protected all your guys. And because I protected your guys, you have a whole bunch of of naked sheep, but you have a whole bunch of wool uh, to do your business. So if you would, you know, send along a remuneration, that would be great. You know, just, and he did it in humility. He didn't say, hey, you owe me 500 bucks, anything like that. He just left it on the goodness of this man, Nabal. Now, typically, again, the man who owned the sheep would say, no problem, I'll send something along uh, right away. It was the right thing to do, but not Nabal. He was mean and very selfish, as you'll see. So we pick it up in 1 Samuel 25, verse 10, is where we're starting. And, it, and the servants have come to Nabal and asked this nice favor of Nabal to pay, And Nabal responds with this. Who is this fellow David? Nabal sneered to the young men. Who does this son of Jesse think he is? There are lots of servants these days who run away from their masters. And now now get this. Look at how selfish he is. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat that I've slaughtered for my shears? And give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where. See how selfish this man is? Everything was about me, 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 mine, 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 mine. Everything was him, 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 him. So David's messengers come back and tell David this. You'll never believe what Nabal just said. Here, I got it on a text. Read it, you know. And David gets angry, not just frustrated. He gets really, really angry. And his reaction, if you know David at all, if you, if you know his story in the Old Testament, he had these highs where he was walking solidly with God and very 
being very Christ-like and godly, and then he had these, this reactive undercurrent in his personality, and David reacts ungodly by saying this, get your swords, was David's reply as he strapped on his own. Then 400 men started off with David, and 200 remained behind to guard their equipment. David rallies an army of men, bigger than Gideon from last week. Remember, last week was 300. This is 400 men to go and visit, uh, visit Nabal. So, continuing with the story, Abigail gets word that David has put together this group of 400 people, 400 guys to come. And remember, she was godly. She was wise. She could read the time. She knew exactly what was going to happen. She knew that if David was doing this, he was not going to discuss this kindly over a Starbucks latte. This was not a calm conversation that they were going to have. She knew that he was going to come to wipe out not only Nabal, but all the men, all the sons, all the manservants in Nabal's household. Kill everybody. And then take all the women as slaves. That's what armies did back then. And that's what David had intended to do. And so what Abigail does in response to this, finding this out, she, it, what she does is so risky. Watch this. She says this. Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two full wineskins of wine, uh, five sheep that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, a thousand clusters of raisins, and 200 fig newtons, fig cakes, sorry. Um, <laughs> and actually, this shows Nabal's wealth because there's no refrigerators back then. You can't just, you know, run down to uh, Jerry's or to farmers fresh whatever we have at those other grocery stores <laughs> um, you can't just do that so Nabal had all this on hand so here's the point um, then she, she says pack them on the donkeys and she said go on ahead and I'm going to follow you shortly so here's the point about this kind of bravery and this is the first point you can write this down if you want strong bravery acts swiftly Strong bravery acts swiftly. She didn't shake it off. See what I did there? Swiftly. Never mind. I'm tired, okay? Anyway, strong bravery acts very, very quickly. How about that? Um, Listen, and here's the point of this. There may be some of you right now listening or on the podcast listening that know that you need to do something that has just been hanging out there. There's a a conversation you need to have in your family or with somebody else, or or there's something you need to do that you've just been like, kind of avoiding. Bravery says, strong bravery says, I'm going to listen to God, and I'm going to act, and I am afraid to death, scared to death. I'm sweating when I think of this person I've got to talk to. Maybe it's tomorrow at work. Maybe it's right after this service on the car ride home. And I am so afraid. But one way to diminish fear is to act, to to do something in terms of moving forward. Sometimes that means doing something with fear. Moving forward, shaking but knowing that God is always with you and that if God has led you to do it, he's going to be with you as you do it. So back to the story again. Remember, Abigail wasted no time. So she gathered up all this food, 
She was ready to go. Now skip down to verse 23. When Abigail, this is where David and Abigail now are meeting on the road. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed low before him. Got that picture in your mind? She's bowing now on the ground low before him. What character attribute does that show? Yeah, humility, right. It shows humility. She fell at his feet and said, I accept all blame in this matter, my Lord. Please listen to what I have to say. I know Nabal's a wicked man. She's throwing her husband under the bus. I know Nabal's a wicked and ill-tempered man. Please don't pay any attention to him. He is a fool, just as his name suggests. Nabal in Hebrew means fool, actually. Um, But I never even saw the young men or the messengers that you sent. Now, basically inferring that if she had seen the messengers coming, she definitely would have made payment to David. And this situation would never have gotten to Nabal. Nabal was so wealthy, he had so many servants, either the head servant or the mistress of the household would meet, would take care of the daily affairs, and and Nabal would just sit around and party and make decisions. That's kind of his job as the, the father, the wealthy father. So she's saying, hey, if I would have seen him, you would have gotten everything that I just brought right now and, and, uh, and probably more. And so here's the point. Here's the second point about bravery. Strong bravery is humble. Strong bravery is humble. Remember, she completely threw herself on the mercy of David. She took the blame for the whole thing. And then there's a tension. Because now what do you say? after you take the blame, when you're standing in front of David the warrior. Well, what she does is brilliant. And, and students, you got to pay attention to how she responds to David after this. She says this, Now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands. She's basically telling David what he's not going to do, even before he's going to do it. Let all your enemies and those who try to harm you be as cursed as Nabal is. And here is the present that I, your servant, has brought to you for your young men. This is is a brilliant, brilliant response. and, And again, kids, students, this is an awesome model for you to follow if you've done something wrong. Okay? It's an awesome model for, uh, for you to follow on how to talk to your parents when you've done something wrong and you know that you're going to get in trouble because you've done something wrong, okay? Listen to this. Um, let's say again, you've done something wrong. Even though Abigail really didn't, she stepped into that for Nabal. You've done something wrong, students. The first thing you do, you act right away. You don't hide it. Number two, you admit it. And secondly, you rely on the goodness of your parent. Third. You rely on the goodness of your parents. You act right away. You admit it. You rely on the goodness of your parents. That's a God-honoring model, not only for you kids, but even for us as adults. I mean, parents, can you imagine if your kid came to you and said this? Hey, Mom, Dad, just now, I was getting my bike out of the garage, and I put a huge scratch on the side of your car, and I wasn't going to tell you, but I knew the right thing to do was to tell you, and I'm so sorry. Parents, after you got off, off the floor, <laughs> let's say they then said this, hey, mom, dad, just now, or, uh, mom, dad, you know, I, I know that I, I did that, but I love you, and I know you love me too. So, 
if I need to be grounded for this, I totally understand. That's a good model. Parents, what do you do with that? You, yeah, you, you, you can't ground them after that, you know. <laughs> anyway, back to the story. Um, that's really what Abigail is doing. She's admitting, you know, she's, she's just taking responsibility and putting herself at the mercy of David. And now you have two bravery ideas facing each other. You have David, the strong man, and Abigail, the, the, uh, the wise woman, facing each other. Two braveries facing each other. Abigail had no idea what was going to happen. And if you don't know the story, you don't know what's going to happen either. He could kill her right there. He could take out his sword and do a ninja move and just wham, she's gone. He could take her captive and go and kill her family anyway. And all of this is running through her mind until David speaks and says this. David replied to Abigail, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. Thank you for your what? Good sense, your wisdom. Thank you for being your, the right thing to do. Bless you from keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. Abigail, I am praising God for you because you have kept me from acting out in anger and sinning against the God that I love. Thank you for your bravery. Thank you for listening to God. Thank you for taking a risk. And David continues, For I swear by my Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept me from hurting you, that if you had not come out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. There it is. He admitted his plan. He was going to kill everybody in his anger. Then David accepted her present and told her, return home in what? In peace. Can you imagine the, ah, Abigail was feeling at that point? Return home in peace. I have heard what you said and will not kill your husband. Remember, my strength is his strength. Abigail's strength was God's strength. She had no idea what was going to happen. But in bravery, acting right away and in humility, she moved forward and stepped in for her family. And I love this story of Abigail because what she did is really reflective of what Jesus has done for each and every one of us in the world. Because you and I were enemies of God in our sin. And because of that, God could have come and wiped us out, wiped you out. But Jesus stepped in and Jesus pleaded on your behalf against God's anger and wrath. Jesus offered his own life. And because of that, you're forgiven. I'm forgiven. I deserve hell. I, des I deserve the punishment of God. But only because Jesus stepped in the middle, and forgave my sin and your sin, that we are now at peace with God. You know, some of you, again, um, need to be Abigail today or this week. Maybe there's somebody that you need to step in for. Maybe there's something that you need to act on. And maybe right now God's putting that person or that situation in your heart. Maybe even here at church, you just need to be honest, trembling, and to be brave. 
So what do you do when you need strength to do those kinds of hard things? From last week, you trust God. Even when your resources might be just dwindled down to almost nothing, you just trust God. And then today, based on Abigail, you act boldly. And yes, still in fear, but you act boldly knowing that God is on the road with you. Amen? Amen. Before you, we pray, you want to know what happened to Nabal? Read 1 Samuel 25. No, I'm just kidding. You do need to read your Bible. Isn't this awesome? These stories are awesome. You've, you've got to read your Bible if you haven't. Um, I'll tell you what happened. Basically, Abigail then, just real briefly, after she met with David, David does a U-turn, Abigail does a U-turn, goes home, and she goes home, and Nabal's holding a soiree. She's just partying it up. And it even says, the, the Bible says he was in high spirits and very, very drunk. So she didn't tell him anything. She's like, you go have your fun. I'm going to bed. Um, then in the morning, when Nabal was sober, Abigail comes to him and tells him what she did. And the text said that at this, Nabal's heart failed and he became like stone. Now, heart isn't the physical heart. It's your, his inner being. So a lot, of people, a lot of commentators think that he had a stroke right there on the spot and he became like stone. And about 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. Abigail actually became David's wife and they lived happily ever after. The end. Now let's stand to pray. Father God, I thank you so much for these stories because it's, you know, we, Father, often when we read these stories, we kind of think that it's like a fairy tale, that they didn't actually happen, that these people weren't real, but actually they are. Father, we know not just from the Bible, but from other accounts, archaeology and other, other accounts outside the Bible that confirm these people were real and actually lived when, when the Bible, when you said they lived. Father, so thank you for these. I just want to pray for those who are listening again. We've got to be Abigail's. We've got to do the right thing. We've got to trust in you as we do. We have to act humbly. We have to act now. We have to act bravely, Father, whatever that means in each of our individual situations. Ultimately, Father, we just praise you that Jesus is our advocate against your wrath and against your anger because you now look at us in total and complete love and compassion. So thank you for that gift of salvation that we have solely through Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. And all of us said together, Amen.